what's going on, guys, and welcome back to the channel. Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> the Hustle and Muscle. I am your host, The Muscle. Oh, that's me, hon. Oh. I'm over here. And Chris is my co-host, and he is The Hustle. Because I never stop working. <laughs> this is very true. I can vouch for that. Yeah, you don't have to be the best. just have to be the hardest worker in the room. Absolutely correct. Um, so we are currently on day two. Day three of our four-day fast. Yes. All right. We're past the 48-hour mark. We are at our what? We are at 43 hours. No, I'm sorry. We're further than we that. We past that. We were at 40 hours, 41 hours yeah, of kickboxing so today. So we're two hours shy of 48. So okay. 45, 46 hours. 46. 46 hours. Hours into our fast. Water only. And we're still working. Yeah. The only thing we add is water and then salt, uh, electrolytes, and magnesium. Um, so yesterday, last night, we watched um, on Disney+. Plus. It's called Limitless with uh, Chris Hemsworth. Shout out to Thor. Or as sometimes they mistakenly call him Chris Graham. But Chris Hemsworth, who played Thor, um, he did an episode about the fasting. So if you haven't seen that and you're interested in learning about some fasting... Um, it's, it was definitely motivating when we're in the middle of a fast to watch that and be like, oh yeah, that's why we're doing it. Yeah. Um, they do like a really good job. I think at breaking it all down. And like the first time we watched it, like months ago, once it ended, I was like, I want to do a fast. And the next morning I woke up and had like pancakes and bacon. And I was like, I can't do it. <laughs> I like have coffee first thing when I wake up with like cream and sugar in it. And, uh, so I just, I was like, yeah, maybe one day I'll do it. And then finally we we're like, we should do it. We should definitely do the fast. And we did it kind of out of nowhere. I was like, we woke up in the morning. I was like, I'm doing it right now. I'm fasting. And I just held oh, yeah, off for last 48 one. hours. And we did a 48-hour fast, which we talked about on the channel uh, maybe like two weeks ago. And then this one over here was like, let's do 72 hours. Well, the goal that we had talked about was to do 72 because Dana White had just posted that he had done it. So we were like, well, let's do it the way Dana White did because you're allowed to have electrolytes and bone broth. So we decided that we were going to do it like that. But then Chris woke up in the morning and was like, oh, let's I do it right the bone now. Broth. I'm having that tonight. You can have that after 24 hours. So, yeah, you can have it now. So I know now I've he's really excited. I've had water and salt and electrolytes, magnesium. <laughs> um, and that's the only thing I've had. And I'm like. It's hard. I mean, it's it's. Oh, I had an espresso easy. this morning. That was delicious. Just a black espresso. I haven't had any coffee. I'm still doing in the morning. I wake up and I have warm lemon water. It's good for your body, good for your digestion and kick your day off like that. So I still do that. It's just a teeny tiny little bit of fresh lemon water and the electrolytes. Um, haven't done the bone broth. Not really sure if I'm going to maybe tomorrow. I think I can get through today and man, those electrolytes. They're yeah, I like think about food. I'm not that hungry. Like right now I would think. If I told myself before ever doing a fast, when I hit 40 hours, in my head, I would think like, oh my God, 40 hours, I would be like crawling on the floor. Yeah. But I'm actually like not that hungry. I just start like fantasizing about food like it's an affair with an attractively younger woman. What does that even mean? Uh, I just think like when I think about food, Is I think- Is this what you fantasize about? Yeah. <laughs> like, like a big, like, like a prime rib, but like a really juicy one where like you cut into it and there's like- juices everywhere and it's really pink on the inside like that's the way i fantasize about food no i started telling my friends that are posting about food like 
my one girlfriend is in the middle of a bulk right now. And all she's doing is talking about how much food she's eating and how uncomfortable she is and posting food videos. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to unfollow you for the next 48 hours because I can't, I can't watch this. Potatoes and pasta. I think it's carbs I'm craving. Yeah. Well, I'm not craving like sugary foods. Like I'm craving like steak and potatoes and like even carrots, string beans. I mean, when we were watching last night, Limitless, he breaks his fast at the end with salmon or some kind of fish, whatever, and like leafy greens. And I was like, that looks amazing. I would kill for- I could just eat some spinach leaves right now. Like I'm not even craving anything necessarily bad. I might go graze in the backyard, just eat some grass at this point. (laughs) Like that meal looked good to me. So I would be just fine with anything like- And they talk about how like once you pass the 24-hour mark, right? Like 24 hours- your body starts because your the bad toxic cells in your body are craving glucose and sugar, which come from sugar, carbs, most of the stuff that we eat. Mm-hmm. Um, so first thing in the morning, like you wake up, if you're like if you're like me and you have like coffee with cream and sugar, instantly you're breaking your fast. And those toxic cells that are like kind of dying but don't die, um, they just start like feeding on it and just keeps them alive in your body. So like when you can just shut that all off and starve them out, like once twenty four hours hits, they start starving out. So once you're 24 hours, right? Um, yeah. Those cells start to like die off. So like the cells in your body that cause cancer, um, Alzheimer's, dementia. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of other sicknesses too. Diabetes, diabetes heart disease, yeah. plaque. Oh yeah. So all that stuff starts to die off. And then, then you start to get your good cells start attacking them and start eating them and like breaking them down, right? Yeah. Like, is that that autotrophy That's, thing? Yeah. Um, we may be pronouncing that incorrectly, but yeah. We even ordered one of the uh, ketone. Oh, I forgot we did that. I did blood that last pricker, night. So you can prick the your finger, and when the blood comes out, you can check how much ketones are in your bloodstream. Mm-hmm. And once you hit so many hours, I think it's like once you pass like the forty-eight hour mark, or you're in the 50, 60, 70 hour mark, the ketones will start to rise, and that's what uh, typically, um, like in the episode, is when you start to get say you have to go do something like work out or hunt for food, right? Like we don't do that. We just drive to McDonald's. Right. But uh, your the, senses are high. The ketones rise to give you that boost of energy in order to get those tasks done. Because there's times where like right now where I'm like sitting here like, like I feel like I'm like up in the mountains, like trying to breathe. Like yeah. little things I do, I'm like, I'm getting so winded. Yeah, you said earlier you feel like you're in an upward elevation like on a mountain. And I thought that was the best way to describe how I felt when I woke up this morning. Yeah, when I get really hungry, I want to throw myself off that mountain and just tumble down, <laughs> hopefully land at like a Chick-fil-A. You're fine. We're almost a whole two days in. Yeah, but I always thought this would be worse at this point. But getting back to the point of it, we watched these videos. And um, I think the main – so when we first watched Limitless like months ago, um, when they talk about how it, <clears throat> it can cure like – not cure. Um, and, and Dana White did a video or a study – not a study. He talked about this also, about a study, how – Doctors will say that doing a fast, if you can hit 72 hours, is that you're starting to cut down your chances of cancer by like 70%. And again, there's no negative to doing this. Like if we do a fast, maybe maybe it cuts your your chances of getting cancer. Or maybe if you get cancer, it's not going to be as bad as it would have had you not cared about your diet. Same thing with like dementia, Alzheimer's. Uh, well, I guess if you get Alzheimer's, you're not going to remember if you did fast or did fast. <laughs> not funny. Um, no, but like there's nothing bad that's going to happen. Like, well, this could happen instead of cutting down my chances of cancer. So you might get cancer when you're older and you'll be like, 
uh, it didn't work, but maybe it did. And maybe you didn't get it as bad or as or soon. As soon. Uh, or maybe you like got rid of like one type of cancer that maybe you would have gotten. So you don't know. There's no way you're ever going to know if this works. But I mean, there's a lot of longevity doctors that do studies on this and put this information out there that you can cut down these chances. So I mean, you know, maybe if you incorporate fasting more often. So if you could do one fast, then maybe you're going to get a lot of benefits. And maybe you'll kill off a lot of these cells. But you, I'm guessing you're probably not killing all of them off in one fast. Um, so maybe if you start doing these like once every few months or twice a year, you know, if you can knock yourself way down and then if that took your whole life to build up to whatever point, you do that fast again and maybe it knocks it down again or keeps it pushing it and suppressing yeah, it, pushing it down. Yeah, you just keep on killing off those bad cells, which I it makes sense. I mean, watching all this information, it makes sense in my head. So. Yeah, because mentally it gets to a point where once you're here, like once we've hit, we're in 40, what do we say, four, hour 46, 46, our body right now is just killing off all these toxic cells. Yeah. So it gets to the point where you almost don't want to eat because you're like, you waited all this time to get to hour like 40. And you're like, man, all this like healthy stuff is happening in my body. Like, let's just fight it out. Like your body's at war and you're winning once you get 48 hours. So you're like, let's just finish this night off and go to bed. We'll wake up tomorrow. Tomorrow morning we'll be at what? Like we'll be at 60 hours, 60, we'll probably be like 62, 63 hours when we wake up tomorrow. And then we'll go to the gym. That'll yeah. kill some time. And that actually did curb my hunger. Yeah, sleeping is good. I, I kind of want to go to bed early, like and sleep and i was sleeping good last night and like i woke up this morning i was like i just want to keep sleeping like yeah. i don't want to deal with this the hunger or the thoughts so i was like let's just keep sleeping keep sleeping it off yeah. let's wake up like next week but um but we watched anyway i keep getting so we keep watching the episode and it talks about like the cancer and stuff and that's why we kind of started getting into it um and so kristen really hasn't shared it much but like her her dad was diagnosed with cancer and so we talk about things like fasting and how important it is um for somebody that either a has it or is trying to prevent it and so when, when Kristen would talk about fasting and how important it would be for, for him to do it, and, and I was agreeing. I was like, yeah, it absolutely would be the smartest thing. And I was like, I can't say things like that and not do it myself. Like I can't ever urge somebody to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. Um, I think it's pretty hypocritical. So to say like, hey, you should be strong enough to get through this, to push yourself and be uncomfortable, um, I have to be able to do it. And, you know, when I start putting myself in like other people's shoes, I was like, you know, if, if that was me, I would, you know, I tell myself I would do anything, you know, um, whatever it would take to make myself better. And so, um, you know, I think that's where I was like, I'll do the fast. And I just woke up. I was like, what's the point of me saying somebody should do a fast if I've never done it? <clears throat> so I woke up and I, the, the, the first 48 hour fast, I was like, mm -hmm. let's just wake up and do it. Um, yeah, I was impressed. I didn't think, honestly, did not think you were ever going to do it. So it actually that, wasn't that hard. I mean, if you think about it, if you stop eating at five o'clock at, at dinner time, right? Like you have dinner, you have an early dinner, you're done at five, five thirty, six. Just don't eat before you go to sleep. And then just finish off your night, do whatever, hang out at the house, go to bed, wake up in the morning, start doing some work, or maybe go to the gym or whatever it is you do. And before you know it, you're at like 16 hours. Yeah. And then if then if you push yourself, just that middle of the day where you would normally start eating lunch and dinner, if you just push yourself past that, you hit 24 hours pretty quick. 24 hours is actually a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. And before you know it, it's 5 o'clock, and you're like, wow, it's dinner time. I didn't eat. And I just hit 24 hours. So now you just got to get through that uncomfortableness of the next like two to three hours when it's like evening. Yeah. Push yourself through there and be like, you know, I'm going to bed. And just tap out early, go up, go to sleep. You know, we went to bed early, typically on the fasts. And uh, if you can get yourself to fall asleep, 
when you wake up in the morning, it's like well, we're hour, hour. Yeah, like, you just banged another eight hours. Yeah, we're like hour thirty six, coming on hour forty, right? Like, depending how late you sleep in in the morning, and then all of a sudden, if you can get up, force yourself to go to the gym, it doesn't feel fun, but do it. Um, you're at like forty, and yeah. all you got to do is get through that day, and you have forty eight hours. It's really not that hard. And I never still like. There's times where my stomach will growl a little bit, but I never got to a point where I was like doubled over in pain like oh my god i need to eat so bad i would say yesterday i had the stomach growling today it's it's a different feeling like i could feel like things are happening inside yeah like i would love to eat like like uh my daughter had soup with ritz crackers and like smelling <laughs> the soup and looking at the crackers like i you don't know how bad i want but that salty cracker in my mouth and just like flavor it like just savor the flavor um but you just don't and it, it's like it sucks you just want to sometimes really bad you get the urges and I think that's why we're all so fat, like in America. Like you look around, everybody's fat, like disgustingly fat. And it's because like you eat lunch and then there's people that like, they just get the urge, like, and they just don't stop the urge. Like they don't have willpower. So well, like, even just to go out and get a cup of coffee, if you go to Starbucks, you're looking at a lot of the drinks, you're looking at 300 calories for a cup of coffee. Yeah, like that's latte. ridiculous. Yeah. Give me a caramel latte, yeah. 500 calories. I mean, I like to go to Starbucks, but I get a Americano black and when so. i go to like burn boot camp a 45 minute class i typically on on the struggle sweating horribly is like 500 calories for me in 45 minutes so one coffee cup of coffee that's a latte that so yeah. like all of a sudden you're like midday like let's grab another latte i'm like that's a whole burn boot camp class you know it's like i'm like god i'd rather just <laughs> you know it's hard you're like i'll just have that coffee it's just a coffee but you know people have lunch <clears throat> and then they get that urge of like I'm going to just hit Chick-fil-A. It's healthy. It's Chick-fil-A. It's chicken. I'm going to have some <laughs> some grilled chicken on a on a bun. Um, so Chick-fil-A. And you'll burn like, you, you'll hit another 1,000 calories on a Chick-fil-A meal with a soda. You know, because everybody's like, I'll do a diet. Aspartame's good for you. You know, so that, like they've had lunch and then they'll just hit that extra like McDonald's real quick. And like I used to be guilty of it. Um, and then they throw an extra meal. Then they go home and have dinner. And then they have that like snack. You know, which is like half a chocolate cake for a snack before bed. You know what I mean? It's like these urges that, and that's what I'm feeling is like those urges where I'm like, I would love to just eat something. And it's not healthy. Like I'm not craving like broccoli, you know, and I don't need the food. I'm I'm good without it. But I think that's why like people struggle so bad is you get that urge and people just instantly like fix it. Like, yeah, I just love, you know, a piece of whatever to eat it. But and it's terrible. It adds up. So, yeah. My dad was diagnosed in July with multiple myeloma and it was like, it was crushing. So of course me and Chris are like online, we're researching everything he can possibly do. And it's like all this stuff that he could do and he doesn't like to be uncomfortable and it drives me nuts. So he was diagnosed then. And if you go even before that, my sister got married in May and he was on a diet. We finally got my dad to go on a diet and it was like leading up to the wedding, leading up to the wedding. So like January until really his diagnosis and he was still kind of dieting through um, early stages of this, but he had lost a ton of weight and we all know with that, when you start stop eating all the processed foods, he was eating a lot of whole foods, um, pulled out all of the starches and stuff and it, your inflammation in your body goes down when you stop eating all that crummy food. And we believe, me and my sister, believe that all that was happening. And because the inflammation was dying down, other things in his body were saying, oh, I'm here. Like, I've been here. I've been dormant. But now I'm, I'm here and I'm present. 
and that being the cancer. So dad was diagnosed and everybody was really upset. We thought it'd be stage one and it wasn't. It was stage three, which is the top tier of this particular type of cancer, which that hit like a ton of bricks. And um, right now he's gone through all of his chemo and he was told he was in remission. And I was like, this is weird because when he was going through all these chemo treatments, he was okay. He get tired, have these like moments. And then all of a sudden he started to have neuropathy in his feet and it went up to his calves and his legs and he can't walk. He's now walking. Which is like a, a nerve issue, right? It's like, yeah, a, it's, like a pain nerve issue. Or you like, can't even like brush up against him. Like his lower extremities hurt if you like if wind hits him wrong, it hurts. I know it's uh, it's extremely painful. From, but that's a side effect. It's a of side chemo. effect of this particular type of chemo, and he got it bad. But all of a sudden, they're like, "Oh, you, well, you're in this remission. We're going to get you to do this stem cell treatment, and it's going to buy you multiple years." And it was like, "Well, to me, this makes no sense. You're in remission, so you should be good." Like my mom had breast cancer. 13 years ago, 12 years, 13 years ago, um, she's in remission, but it's a true remission. Like she's good. How, why is this different? And I, it's a different type of cancer from the way I understand all these different types of cancers are different. So he's going through this stem cell process right now, but leading up to the process, the neuropathy is getting worse and worse and he's done with his treatments. The chemo's over. His body is crashing harder and harder. And to me, He's in remission. Somebody said he's in remission. So he's like, I'm so blessed. I'm in remission. God's answering my prayers. And in my head, what kind of a remission leaves you like this? Yeah, well, we talked to a friend of ours who she went through chemo and radiation and she was asking about the neuropathy. And she said basically the place she went to where she got that treatment, the the chemo and radiation, like everybody there had the neuropathy in their feet like real bad where it was like extremely painful, um, couldn't walk, their feet didn't really work the way they wanted them to, um, stuff like that. So I said, well, how, how do you deal with that? And she was like, I, I strapped bags of ice on my feet. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, that's horrible. Yeah. And uh, I was like, how did that feel? And she was like, it was like the worst pain imaginable because you're, I guess you have issues with your nerves already. They already hurt. You're shocking them. Yeah, now you're strapping bags of ice. And, she's, and I was like, how, how do you deal with that? And she's just like, you let it burn. Just put it on there and just let it burn. I mean, she's walking and I mean, she's healthy now, which is yeah. amazing. But, when but that's she... why you have to do things that are uncomfortable. Like that's why we brought up the whole fasting because mm -hmm. with all these cancers, they feed on glucose and glucose is sugar. And if you think about the other things in the world, like think about white bread, pasta, white pasta, it's white all, It all bagels. turns to sugar. It's just sugar cooked into a different shape. Like, like a, a white bagel is sugar and they add a little bit of stuff to it, right? Yeast. And I create a bagel. And it's like, turn it like, you know, like putting fairy dust on it. You're like, oh, here's sugar. Oh, it's a bagel. It's not sugar anymore. And you eat it. It turns into glucose, into sugar. It goes into your body and it's sugar. That's what carbs are. Mm. You eat white pasta. You're like, oh, it's not pasta. You know, it's not sugar. It's pasta. Right. It's sugar. You eat it in your body. It's carbs. Turns to sugar. Um, you know, white bread. Same thing. Peanut butter jelly sandwich. You have white bread. Turns to sugar. Goes in your body. And it's feeding all these cancer cells. So we're like, you've got to cut out sugar. And you've got to actually starve out all these cells. That's why we do the fast things. We're like, cut out sugar and then let's fast and just starve all these cells completely out and start and start draining it. So that's why we did it. Um, and I, and the more people we talk to, also it's like even people that 
either had cancer in the past, they say fasting now is a part of their lives. Like we know people now that have had multiple different forms of cancer and are in remission or some of them are have it like subsided and they start fasting and they do intermittent fasting, sometimes uh, like 24 hour fast and sometimes long duration fasts. And their doctors are literally like, do whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Your cancer is like, I don't know. It's like almost gone. You're reversing what you've had. Mm -hmm. And everybody that says it, it's the fasting that does it. Um, and yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's not fun, but it's, it's very doable. Yeah. So then this kind of brings me to people don't talk about this. And I think that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this a little bit. Like the, what you feel when you see somebody going through this is the amount of emotions that happen are just boggling. Like I went from being like super upset and I mean, I, at this point I cry a lot. There's a lot, there's a lot of crying that happens. I'm an extremely emotional person <laughs> all the time. Is this because I'm a woman? I think so. So I, I get really upset. And I could cry like on a dime. And then I went through a phase where I was so mad. Like you couldn't even talk to me because I was, I would snap and it, I was just mad because I, I couldn't wrap my head around the neuropathy component. I was like, well, he's just being lazy. He's just sitting on the couch and he's being lazy. And then one day me and Chris went over and we were sitting with him. And I was like, yeah, but you have to walk. And he's like, I would if I could. And he got up and he's with the walker. He's walking and he's dragging his feet. And I was like, oh, my God, sit down. You're going to hurt yourself. And for me, that was like a reality that he was he was a lot worse than I understood and that this had progressed a lot worse than I knew at that point. So, and at that point he was still him. Like he was still, you could still talk to him. You could still call him and he would have a conversation with you. How's your day? And it was like, well, dad's still there. So he's just being lazy. He's just not walking. And yes, he needs to do the you know put the ice on his feet and do the things that make him uncomfortable and he won't do that so yes that kind of stuff makes me very angry but he's in a position right now too where I'm overwhelmed with it's just very overwhelming we have to think too is like with like the medical staff medical people most of it <laughs> when you look at like big pharma is like the easiest way to deal with issues is prescriptions because you always have to follow the money it's like Prescription meds runs the, the world. I mean, yeah. runs the country, runs the world. They own everything, everything in the media, everything. It all revolves around big pharma. Um, so it's easy when you're in pain or you have an issue and you tell the doctor for them to give you a painkiller. And it's a money transaction. They make big money. Everybody makes big money off of that. The free advice is to do things like, well, strap bags of ice to your feet. That's mm -hmm. going to fix it. Um, getting up and moving, circulation, heat, uh, ice and heat therapy, fasting, all of these things are free options, free options that are going to make your life better, not necessarily more comfortable in the moment, might be extremely uncomfortable. The easy, comfortable thing is to just swallow like a painkiller. Um, that's easy. Um, and within good insurance, it's it can be free. But the point is like doctors don't give you that alternative medicine advice. Like, you know, when when you could be doing things like if, if people learn that fasting can cure different diseases, then no wonder doctors don't want to push that idea on you because now it's that's taking money out of everybody's pocket 
you know, that that's running this whole controlled society. So the easy thing is, you know, chemo medication is pricing through the roof, the painkiller world, the money is through the roof and they have such huge lobbying. So like the amount of things that can come from these companies and organizations that control everything is an incentive to everybody else. So it's a lot easier to prescribe things, take things than it is to do things like naturally and fix things. And it took me a long time to start learning this, but we started hanging around different people and learning different things and, and, and they're literally working. Um, you know, even different supplements that we take, that's not like Western medicine medication yeah. makes things a lot better. So um, we started doing all these things and they started wiping out illnesses and sicknesses and stuff like that. But you know, it, it's definitely not the easy route than it is taking a pill. Right. So the doctors are giving him all these painkillers. And for me, I mean, we've watched shows where like the Oxycontin is dangerous and, you know, it, it could kill you. Like it can get to that point where you're taking such a high dose that it could it could make you crazy. And that's scary. That's really scary for me as his daughter watching this. And it's it, you go from like the all these different feelings. And you go from like you're really sad because, you know, your father has cancer. And then you go to like, well, I'm angry because I don't think he's doing enough. And then I went to this feeling. I remember walking in the door one day, I was on the phone, my mom, I hung up, cried the whole drive home from work. And I walked in the door sobbing and Chris is like, what's wrong? What happened? And I was like, my dad's going to die. And like, it's um like, that was a very, it was a mind blowing moment for me because it was scary. And then um, my head of course goes like my mom, my parents are so in love, which when I was a kid, it was like, okay, this is gross. But as an adult, seeing people married for as long as they've been married for, it's, I mean, they're like 40-something years <laughs> together. Like, to me, like, that's amazing. Like, divorce is so popular. It's like so many people get divorced. It's not taboo anymore. And my parents have been together for as long as they have, and they're so in love. And I worry about my mom. And, you know, she's she's one of my best friends and like now she's away with him getting this stem cell treatment and I don't get to see my mom anymore and I get to see her every day like for those of you that don't know like my mom works out right next to me every day she goes to boot camp with me she works out with Chris and you know we talk after camp every day like I get to see her I get to give my mom a hug and a kiss every morning like to me that's amazing it's like sitting down and having a cup of coffee um without the coffee, <laughs> but I, I enjoy that. And now I don't get to see her. So now I have my dad that's going through like this whole process. And then my mom, who's the caretaker and I feel hopeless. And like, I think that's kind of where I'm feeling right now. I feel completely hopeless. I feel worrisome. I feel useless. Like there's nothing that I can do at this point to fix it. He is, he's not even heeding my advice. And I understand like people, people get like this too. Like you just want to listen to the doctors and, but there are some things that I feel like are so simple, like don't eat for 14 hours. If you do 14 hours yeah. today, don't eat for 16 hours. I'm not even, I never even, I would never say like 72 hours to him. Like that's crazy for somebody that no, doesn't it, follow like any kind of nutrition intermittent fasting, training. like 16 hours, yeah. baby steps. It's, it's literally, you think about it, you're sleeping like eight hours a day. So that's just saying, hey, for four hours before you go to bed, don't eat. Yeah. When you wake up for four hours, don't don't drink or eat. And that's it. And it's, yeah, like 
things are uncomfortable, like sometimes in life, you know, but you, you need to have, you need to be uncomfortable occasionally. I mean, un- being uncomfortable leads to good things. It's always, yeah, it, it's always good to put yourself into an uncomfortable situation. It's not fun. Um, and people don't enjoy it. Um, but it always leads to like big rewards. Yeah. Like I- everything we do in life, like investing money, it's uncomfortable, but we do it and we've had great success. Going to meet new people at different places is uncomfortable. We're extremely introverted, by the way, (laughs) for those of you that don't know that. Like, yeah, we go to different places. We do different things, put ourselves in different situations, sit in front of a camera. You know, it's getting better over time. But in the beginning, extremely uncomfortable. We just force ourselves to do these things that are uncomfortable. And these are like the small things in life. So like these fasts, like us doing 72 hours, extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. But you push through it. and, And, you know, it's like. Sometimes you need somebody like, and we do it ourselves. Like sometimes you need somebody to like kick in the ass a little mm-hmm. bit. Like somebody needs to tell you once in a while to like put your big boy pants on and like stop being a baby. And that's, that's what we have. And you know, like but we it, have that with each other. Right. And that's why it gets to the point where like, and usually you have that with like guy friends too. Like, you know, you can go, like, especially being like a cop where I was, it was like, you know, if you ever felt weird or whatever, like you'd always have somebody there to be like, Hey, knock it off. Like, you know, you do something weird or stupid, somebody would like correct you and be like, knock it off. This is stupid. You know, like put your big boy pants on. Um, but yeah, doing these things are not comfortable. That's why we've gotten to where we are as a society is we live in an uncomfortable. Yeah. It's so world. like you get a little bit hungry and you don't want to be uncomfortable. So you go eat something, you go eat like crap food. Um, well, yeah, the, all the crap food is what's easy to pick on, too. Like, yeah, you, you get open like a the little, pantry, it's all junk. Exactly. It's all sugar. You, like at night, you're like, oh, I get a little craving for like some cookies. So, like, Instead of being uncomfortable and just saying, I'm not going to eat it, I'll just go to bed and deal with my craving mentally, you don't want to deal with your craving. So you're like, I'll just go to the pantry and eat a cookie. You know, and it's like, because you can't, you don't have the willpower to be uncomfortable for a few minutes. Um, And that's where it becomes a problem. And that's where, and then again, hence these cravings are typically sugar and carb based. So Mm -hmm. typically people crave carbs and sugar, which are the same thing. And that's why we get to the place we're at. So yeah, he actually had a doctor that told him that sugar wasn't like the cause of cancer and i like i remember sitting at dinner one day when he said that and i was like jaw on the table and i was just shocked because i feel like everybody says that people can use that title though i'm a doctor so what i said yeah is truth i was like you must have misunderstood or asked the wrong type of question because sugar absolutely feeds cancer yeah the I mean, the, you look up glucose and, and that's the other thing is some people need to like take the word sugar out and use glucose. Right. And that's fine. If and, that's what and you start have to doing, do. Re, you'll get better research results that way. But, but glucose feeds your cells. Cancer is a cell in your body. Yeah. Glucose feeds cancer. You need to kill the cancer. You, you need, need to, to get kill rid of the toxic glu- cells yeah. in your body. It's just, you know, it's, it is that basic when you really think about it. Yeah. I mean, you look at the different like cultures and tribes that do fasts, big time fasts all the time. And they have much more longevity. Typically, they don't. And some of the reasons is because of they don't have access to doctors to fix them when they are terminally ill. But when you take the people that are untreated medically versus the people that live here in the United States that are not treated. I mean, everybody here is treated. But um, they they outlive us. And it's typically based on their lifestyle. They don't have like fast foods, trans fats, sugar, carbs. They don't have access to all that that we do. And they incorporate a healthier lifestyle. And when you look at their bodies next to our bodies, I mean, you just turn on like any TV show and everybody is extremely overweight, extremely overweight, morbidly obese. And, you know, 
you could go to any other country and they don't have that because they don't have the things we have. And I'm not saying we need to get rid of it. It's great that we have McDonald's and Burger Kings everywhere because we're a free society and we can't have those things. But you need to have willpower. And yeah, that's what we need. We need to teach people how to have some willpower. And, and we don't have that in our in our society. Um, but I mean, just like anything, I mean, being uncomfortable, like that's what makes people like a fighter. That's what makes people an actual fighter is being able to do things that are uncomfortable. You know, we talked about like, um, you know, like we we had our kickboxing coach over here today and we did training with him who's and he's an actual MMA fighter. And I was talking with him about it and I said, man, like when people use that term, like, like fighter, right? Like a, an MMA fighter is going to step up and get locked into a cage with another human being and they're going to end up, and, and they're a fighter, right? Like that's, that's the definition of the term a fighter. They're going to go and get like their nose broken, like get punched in the face, get their nose broken laugh it off and step back up for more. They're going to shove some tissue up there and they're going to go right back in. Right. But that's the point of being uncomfortable is like they're experienced actual pain, pain beyond measure and going back for more. That's the term of fighter. You know, like they could be pouring blood out of their face and they don't have any quit. They go back and it's uncomfortable and they go get more and more and more. And so like when you're going to be a fighter, like you, you need to be able to do things like, Hey, you know what? It's going to be uncomfortable, but I'm going to start intermittent fasting. I'm just going to fight the urge have like for me like to fight the urge to have coffee in the morning um you know to do things like um you know if things are painful do do it anyway yeah you find out like what works and what doesn't like for instance we did um we can get into it briefly we talk about this more in a different episode but we just recently did like uh sauna therapy and cold plunge therapy oh man you want to talk pain right step into a step into an ice cold pool i mean a lot of people do it now but like Anybody that does do it will tell you it's not comfortable. It's not like you're like, oh, this is actually really refreshing. I love 30 degree weather yeah. in the middle of the day <laughs> and like getting in it and getting out, like going from like a 180 degree sauna into 30 degree water. It's your body. It, it hurts. hurts so extremely and bad. I would bet it's very popular right now. I think everybody can attest to that, but I would put money on almost everybody saying that it hurts and it's uncomfortable, but they're doing it anyway because the benefits exceed the discomfort yeah and we kept going back and forth from like in the in that again and i won't get into it too much but we would go from the extreme heat to extreme cold and we would do this for i mean minutes like when you got in the water you're in there for at least three minutes and we do this for multiple rounds throughout the day and you're like wow this is like <laughs> terrible but the next morning i woke up and I, I didn't realize i was like doing some stuff and i was like oh my god like my whole upper back and neck where i have severe pain and if you guys will notice in youtube videos and stuff like my head i have like no range of motion in my neck i can barely move my head and my he neck. usually turns his whole body right i have like a couple herniated discs in my neck and so i could barely move i'm like a little turtle um but i woke up and i'm like my head's moving all around i'm like i feel really good and i was like it had to have been the ice the heat and the ice yesterday i was like mm-hmm. i feel amazing um and i was like we've got to do this again but i mean the point is it doesn't hurt when you, i mean it doesn't feel good like you're sitting in like a 200 degree sauna for 15 minutes you're just focused on staying alive and not passing out and then you go into the ice cold and you're like concentrating on your breathing people were like literally like do lamaze breathing and you're focusing on your breathing and then eventually it becomes easier and easier and uh but yeah like usually painful things uncomfortable situations like we said earlier they're worth it reap rewards so you know i think when you look at people and you want somebody to be a fighter you want them to actually do something that goes against them being comfortable. Like if, if things were comfortable and easy, that's not, you know, that's not what fighters do. Like a, an MMA fighter steps in the ring. If it was easy and comfortable, everybody would do it. But to it, 
for them to be an actual fighter in the ring and step in there, they've got to deal with like blood, broken bones, extreme mm-hmm. pain, l- lack of consciousness, exhaustion, <laughs> air, right? Everything that's so ungodly, uncomfortable, cutting weight and refeeding, right? Like all these things, that's what you have to go through to be mm-hmm. an MMA fighter. So, you know, I, I, I just look at it like when, when my numbers called and we talk about like death and facing death and I've talked about it with Kristen, it was like, you know, we're, you know, when she's like, my dad's going to die. I'm like, we're all going to die. But guess what? Like, we don't know when, like, it's like almost like your death dates are predetermined and they're all hidden. And then it's like, if you get cancer, like somebody's slowly starting to pull back and show you like your death date, you know? And so then it's like overwhelming. We're like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Like, yeah, so am I. And so is she, you know, so is my daughter. But it's like, we don't know when that's going to be. And it literally could be tomorrow in a car accident. It could be tonight. Like we could leave here, go drive somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, it literally could be today or tomorrow and you don't know it. And so it, it you don't think about it because you just, in your head, you're like, it's going to be when I'm 90 years old. That's when I'm probably going to die. But it could literally be tomorrow. And we don't know it. So you just live every day to the fullest. And now all of a sudden, if like somebody's like, hey, I'm not going to tell you when, but I just found I got a call from like the big guy upstairs. It's going to be the next four years. And you're like, what? I'm going to die in the next four years. Like, that's not fair. Yeah. Yeah, it's not fair. But if you, if you didn't know that information, you would have lived every day normally, right? But so it's kind of like somebody's just starting to tell you like, hey, I kind of know when it's coming. And they kind of tell you. And you're like, I wish I didn't know that. I would have kept living. Um, so that's that's the, the shitty part of it is like mm-hmm. you kind of get an idea as to where you might fall into place. So, um, but, but you it, have to be able to do all the things that are healthy to keep yourself away from death the most that you can right and somebody will rebut it and say well yeah but with cancer you're going to die sooner and it's again we, can we don't all, yeah we can get we hit can by our all car tomorrow die tomorrow we don't know when mm-hmm. it's going to be you know it, and if it's all predetermined your death date is written down somewhere you just don't know when yeah. it's going to be you assume it's going to be when you're old but it literally could end at any point in time um I know when um, my dad started doing poorly, my, we were sitting down at dinner one day and my daughter asked me, you know, mommy, am I going to get cancer? And at first I'm like, no, of course not. That's terrible. Why would you say that? And then I had to sit back and I can't lie to her. She's 12 years old. So I composed myself and I explained to her that why me and Chris, we eat right, we work out, we take care of ourselves, we do things like fasting, you know, do things that make us uncomfortable we do all this because when or if something like cancer or heart disease or diabetes, something pops up that's aggressive, we are so healthy that, and this is just my hope, but we're so healthy that we can fight it, that we're going to be strong enough to fight it and that we have the mental capacity and physical strength to be uncomfortable and fight it. So Am I going to get cancer? Is she going to get cancer? I have no idea. Only God knows that. I have no clue. But I can do everything in my power to keep myself as healthy as possible for my husband and for my daughter and for my family. And that is what we're doing with this fast. Yeah. There was a reality check when a 12-year-old asks if I'm going to get cancer. And it's heart-wrenching, but I think the best thing that I could do is be honest with her and explain to her why. And that, I think, gave her... I mean, yeah, mommy goes to the gym a lot. (laughs) Mommy's always watching what she eats. She's weighing her food. But now I think she has a better understanding as to why I'm doing all of this. Yeah. And I think one thing we can kind of end it with, too, is like, you know, you said uh, God knows. And uh, so for me, I'm not a religious person, although I was raised in a Catholic family. And 
you know, I kind of, in a way I just fell out of it and I started believing differently. And, you know, I believe in, in science and, um, it is what it is and people can have their own faith. I really don't care what you do, what you believe in. That doesn't matter to me. Um, but so, you know, we talk about like people talk about like, well, pray or prayer, uh, God, all that kind of stuff. I think, okay, well, you know, like let's say I, I do venture to believe that route, right. And believe that it is God who fixes everything. Um, you know, people could say like, well, if you say, say a prayer for somebody is going to fix it. And I say, okay, well that, that could work in theory, but let's say if God is real and we, and we do think that way is that maybe, maybe, um, maybe God put people right. Like Kristen here on this planet to help to impact somebody. So maybe he put her here with some kind of information like the stuff that we've been talking about in this podcast to give that information. So that way, one day when you go up and you look at, at your God and you say, man, I prayed, you didn't do anything. Look, here I am standing right here in front of you. Like I prayed you every night and you didn't do anything. Here I am. And maybe God will look back at you and be like, well, I gave you your daughter and she stood there right in front of you and spit out all this advice that I gave to her and you didn't listen. You know, I, I, somebody told me once too a story. I don't know what it's called. Story. These, uh, it's a parable. I know what you're, I know what you're a thinking. Parable? It's well, a parable. It's a religious <laughs> parable. Yeah. Basically like if, uh, somebody told me this, um, where a man falls into a, a river and he's going downstream and he's struggling. He can't really swim well. And he goes under this branch and there's a guy in the branch and he says, reaches his hand out and says, here, grab my hand. I'll, I'll pull you to safety. And the guy says, no, I, I'm going to, God's going to save me. I'm a, I'm a Christian or whatever it is. I'm going to, God will save me. Don't worry. And he lets that guy go later down the stream. He's still going, trying to get to the shore bank, still going downstream. And there's another man there with a net and he throws the net and he says, grab this net. And he goes, no, I don't need the net. God's going to save me. And then finally he gets down the stream a little further. And there's a third guy there. And the third guy does the same thing. Reaches out. He says, take my hand. I'm, I'm going to pull you to safety. The guy says, God will save you. Don't worry about it. And then shortly thereafter, the guy drowns and dies. And he goes, finds God. And he says to God, like, dude, I prayed to you all the time, my whole life, all this stuff. I prayed to you, thought you were going to save me. You never did. Like, what's the deal with that? Explain that to me. Explain how you did not save me when I prayed to you my whole life. I did all these things. And he says, well, I did help you. I gave you those three guys. You ignored them. That's on you. I, I did what I could do to help you. So I think the point of it is, like, maybe, you know, if, you, if you're counting on just strictly prayer or religion, is that maybe they are actually being answered. Maybe they are helping you and they're putting the answers in front of your face. You just don't see them. So I think that's a big thing to think of when you, when it looks, because again, I don't necessarily believe that like a divine intervention is going to fix or change my life. Personally, that's just the way I believe. But I do think that there's ways that you can take control of your own destiny and your actions are what leads to your, your fate or your demise either way. Um, so I think that's kind of like the last thing I had to say about it. So you can touch on your final thoughts. But, um. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I believe in the science. I'm with Chris, but I, I do believe in God. I was raised Catholic and I believe in a situation. I brought that exact situation to my dad. One day we were fighting with him to drink water. Like you need to stay hydrated. And I remember sitting there and I was like, listen, I was like, I'm here right now telling you, like God's telling you, you need to drink water. And I gave him that same parable and I explained it to him. And that is what I believe. I believe that you can pray, but 
God's not going to physically just lift you up and say, okay, today you're healthy and you're good to go. He's going to give you the resources. Should you choose to utilize them is on you. He's given you the path. And I do believe that God gives you that path. They're put in front of you and then science kind of takes the wheel. Should you choose or choose not to utilize them? In the but same way that you're like, oh, certain people came into my life for a reason. Like sometimes you meet somebody random, like yeah. you're on a weird vacation somewhere. You meet somebody, you're like, yeah, I think maybe I was destined to meet this person mm -hmm. and they, they change your life or something big happens because that person, you're like, maybe there's a reason we met. Maybe it was just coincidence. But again, if you believe that, that logic, believe, you're like, yeah. maybe there was a reason that we were put. To I believe meet, people so. are put in your path for a reason. So maybe you're here, you watch us to the end and this is, you know, this is going to help you one day. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but maybe you come back to this and say, I remember watching something about that. Yeah. And maybe it's something you give to your loved one that needs to, a little kick in the butt. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we'll bring this up. We're talking about more topics like this. If, if stuff like this, like the fasting, the cancer stuff is interested to you, uh, obviously please um, comment below. We could do this again. And like I said, there's other people that we know in this space that um, would be willing to talk. So um, let us know if this is something that interests you guys. If there are other topics that you guys want us to talk about on this podcast, uh, comment them down below on this video or on any of the videos and we'll check them out too. And uh yeah, we try to kind of keep it an open book and talk about everything that you guys ask. For, yeah, like so. this is what we're dealing with right now. So it is a topic of discussion. Are we have 72 hours yet of our fast. <laughs> no, we're not. All right. But thank you guys for watching. I hope you found this uh, interesting and useful. And Much love. <laughs> all the love. We'll see you guys next time. Peace out, everybody. Bye.